Welcome to The Ledge. My name is Chris Harper, and I'll be your host every week. Every Tuesday, I will interview an artist, developer, or creative mind from the Web3 space. I'll be getting up close and personal with my guests as we explore the emerging crypto art and NFT scene. It is my feeling, along with many others, that we are in a digital renaissance. The emergence of blockchain technology has revolutionized the way we look at ownership, provenance, and digital assets. It is my goal as your host to help shed light on these complex subjects and even more so the individuals behind it all who are carving out their place in history here on the ledge of Web3. like to welcome everybody to another episode of The Ledge. Today, I'm here with Patrick Amadon from California. Welcome to the show, Patrick. How are you, man? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, Chris. It's a, it's a pleasure to finally meet you and uh, you know, appreciate you inviting me here. Yeah, thanks, man. Thanks so much for uh, coming on the show. You and I have chatted a little bit online on Twitter and I've uh, been a follower of yours for quite some time. I'm a big fan of your art. I, I really... Um, I'm a real, I'm a really big fan. I, I love, I love your glitch art, man. I'm a huge glitch art yeah, thanks, fan. Man. And you're, you're like one of the OGs of glitch art. That's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. So I just would get you to say your name, age, where you're from and where do you live now? Sure. It's Patrick Amadon. Uh, I'm in Los Angeles. Yeah. How, how old are you, Patrick? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I want to let's let's keep it let's you keep wanna, it slightly, you know, slightly cool, less toxable. Yeah, no, no worries. <laughs> yeah, Everybody, you know, in the in the land of like crypto artists, man, some people are like totally cool with all their info being out there, and other people have you know, I've had like people that are just totally pseudonym names and yeah, any information. No we worries. have a spectrum. We have a spectrum, right? <laughs> I ask that question because I like try to get like what kind of generation you're coming from as far as like from the digital space, you know, like I've had guys, my guest last week was like my age, I'm 51, you know, and he's coming yeah. from like the era where, you know, we grew up without, we didn't have computers and all this stuff, you know, and then some guys are coming from like their whole life where they're digitally native, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm a millennial. I mean, I grew, I grew up with computers. My, my, my dad worked at Apple. Yeah. Uh, so growing up, he'd bring home like the old computers that were getting trashed. Wow. So we'd, we'd always have like whatever like the oldest Apple was in the wow. house, which which is pretty cool. So like early on, got to figure out, hey, like got to play around with computers, which is which is really nice. And then B, got to uh, get used to f- like adjusting and fixing computers so they would work. Yeah. Um, so I ended up getting pretty resourceful about uh software and computer usage from like an early age, which I can't say probably didn't contribute to the direction everything else took. Right. <laughs> so, That's pretty cool. Yeah. What, what did your dad do for Apple? Was he like a, like an engineer? Uh, no, he was, a, he was in uh, marketing research. I gotcha. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And like the, the first round of jobs and then uh, he left in the second round of jobs. <laughs> right on, man. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, that's like a kind of an extraordinary place to come from. What an exciting time to like be in computers, man, in Apple yeah. from that era, man. That's totally, that's totally cool. Yeah, so I've been, I've been making digital art since I was, she's six or seven, you know. What's the first thing that you ever called art that you created? 
the first thing that I ever called art. Yeah. Um, so uh, do you remember the old game Marathon? It was like it was the first Bungie game before they blew up with Halo. It so, sounds familiar. It's not like totally so they had so, yeah. so they had this game, and I figured out I could I could open up all the different sprites and the image files. So uh-huh. I opened up image files. There's image files of like aliens and all these other things. Yeah, and then I could throw it into throw it into. I'd moved over to uh, to PC at the time. Okay, uh, but I could throw it into Paint. Oh, and right I could on. go edit, edit and play around with all these different image files. So I take this image file, this image file, combine the image files, like do my own art on the image files. So, and this was this this was middle school. This was like me just like playing around with, you know. Image so you files just started off as a glitch artist, basically. <laughs> yeah. it's, just, it's just the direction, the direction. It just all seemed to go. What was your um, What was your education like, man? Like, did you go to private school, public school? What, did you have? Uh, I was so I was I was a public school kid growing up yeah. uh, in California, um, which resulted in a couple things. Um, first of all, we had a we had music and arts until fourth grade, and then everything got cut. Everything in California just basically got wiped out. So there was no music. There was no art. Right on. Um, so, yeah, it was. It wasn't really. Uh, that was never really a part of anything of my life growing up. Um, okay. I was always inclined to do it. I mean, I'm like editing graphic files on my computer, and I was a big. I loved making comic books, and I loved reading comic books and collecting comic books. But it was always like, uh, kind of get the slap on the back of your hand, like, why are you wasting time? Nah. <laughs> you know, like you know. What were they pushing you to do? Were they pushing you in a different direction? It's like, you know, get good grades. And uh, I was, I was a, I was a competitive soccer player. Oh, wow. So it was, it was a uh, go play soccer, go play soccer, go play soccer. It was kind of on repeat all the way through college. Big focus <clears> on sports. Yeah. yeah. So there wasn't really any, wasn't any really pressure or exposure to the arts um, growing up. I mean, I obviously have my inclinations, but uh, it wasn't, anything I'd really even thought about until high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in high school, there was a class and imagine like you're how you feel in high school. Right. And there's a class in high school at the time that was a, a dark room <laughs> with a giant screen. And you just sat there looking at pictures of art. <laughs> the art thing aside, it was like dark room, giant screen in high school. Sign me up. That sounds, do it. that sounds too good to be true. <laughs> What's, so this I did, class? what's this class called it was an art it was an art history class oh right on and the right. teacher's name was mr silva okay and i just remember sitting in the class being like you know i won because it was an incredibly competitive class to get into oh nice so i got lucky i won the lottery whatever it is and i sit in the class i'm just like cool i can just like i'm done i get like 45 extra minutes of sleep i am happy let's do this <laughs> Was looking at all that art like ringing some kind of bell for you to to, to like spark some kind of creative was, side of it? That you? was the thing. The teacher, the teacher was one of the funniest people. Not even, not even constrained to the category of teacher. Just in general, this guy was hilarious, and he made the class laugh. Wow! The entire time while he's talking about art, um, and it really like opened my eyes to it. Um, I ended up not sleeping. I, my, my, my plans were foiled, but for a good reason and ended up just 
going through a semester with this teacher showing me a bunch of different art and he made it really engaging. And uh, I was like, oh, wow, like I really like art history wow. uh, when I was done as class and it hadn't been anything on my radar. So I ended up studying it uh, in college. Um, making it wasn't really ever a thing, but uh, I went down the path of art because of this guy being a good enough a teacher to not only get me to not fall asleep in a dark room in high school. Right. But like, so uh, he's still teaching there. I'm, I'm, That's pretty cool, right. man. That says a lot about what a good teacher could, you know, how much impact a good teacher can have on people's lives, man. You know, yeah. like it maybe might even change the, their whole direction in your life. You don't even know, you know? Oh, uh, he unquestionably did. Yeah. Um, which is, which is incredible. And it also, you know, full circle back to, you know, growing up in California public schools. Um, so this was a high school, this was a, this was a private high school. So I was fortunate enough to get into a private high school previous to that. It was public. Um, but it really made me appreciate the role of arts, uh, in education and just seeing how much is cut from California public schools and how much kids don't have any opportunity to get any exposure to what is now a very real avenue for a lot of people. And it's also yeah. an avenue people can actually make a living in. Yeah. One um, thing I know about you because I follow you on Twitter and I um, get you know, alerts for all your stuff is that you spend some of your time like with people teaching them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, thank you. No, we do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You have like, little, you have like, like some kind of informal gatherings where you like teach people how to do. Am I right? Yeah, basically. Um, yeah. you know, I think it's, uh, I really, I've, I feel really fortunate to be a part of our community here yeah. and yourself is not an exception. Like it just seems like everybody you meet in the space is really cool. And I yeah. just genuinely like people immediately. People are, you know, by and large, really authentic and yeah. just so anyway, so basically we wanted to create a community in Los Angeles because I wanted everyone to be able to get to know each other. And, mm -hmm. you know, while, while we're still early enough that I feel like we all have a lot of things in common. Yeah. You know, I think as this kind of just disseminates more across the sphere it'll just be kind of everybody, right? It'll just be, the cross-section will not be this kind of unique niche we have right now. It'll just be kind of everybody and then it kind of loses a little bit of its charm. I'll be happy when it happens, but at the same time, like, you know, so I just want to get everyone together. So we host these meetups every week. We do panel discussions, but also, um, you know, there's a lot of artists out there, a lot of musicians, a lot of creators that aren't as technically inclined or aren't as resourceful as we are right now i mean it took especially if you got in this thing 2021 2020 like it took a lot to sit down and say all right metamask what's an address if i send money to the wrong thing if i'm off by one digit it's gone forever okay how do we do this <laughs> The learning curve is extremely yeah. steep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, brutal, right? It's brutal. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I figured, you know, why don't we host a weekly, why don't we host a weekly workshop and we can just talk to people who want to figure it out. Maybe they have a project. They want to figure out how to execute it. Maybe they don't know. Like, just have a space where people can just come and say, like, hey. Every like, time I see oh, you post that on, Twitter, 
on Twitter, I get FOMO, man, and I'm way over here in South Carolina. I want to come, you know, like yeah. I want to <laughs> come. To hey, that, hey, whenever, come whenever, to that whenever, meetup. <laughs> whenever you come to Los Angeles, let me know. I will for sure, man. Yeah. How many you getting? You getting a pretty good like turnout of people on that? Yeah, we've probably got uh, we probably get ten to fifteen people usually showing up for the uh, for the kind of the workshop, and probably forty to sixty people will come through for. Well, we we just uh, we're doing a we have a large coffee shop right up right by the beach in Venice. Yeah. We oh, hang out outside, wander over to the skate park. Yeah, you know, so it's a good uh, it's a good it's a good. It's as Venice a vibe as you can imagine. Just yeah. very chill right on the beach. So I love it, man. I've been there a Thank few you. times. I like that area too, man. That's a really cool area. In, okay, cool. In cool. LA. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Do you have any traditional art background at all? Did you do you have any like traditional art education, painting, you know, anything like that drawing painting? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I studied I studied art history um and economics. You know, I had to be practical, right? Right. In uh <laughs> in college. And then um, after college, um, it, it just never, it, nothing, it didn't click until a couple of friends and I randomly just said, let's paint something. So we went to, went to the art store, bought some canvases, bought some paint. And, uh, yeah. you know, it's like uh, LA apartments are all built in the seventies. Apparently they have that, the courtyard that's all cement with the pool in the middle. Melrose place. You know, it's moderately clean, you know, like Mel- not, even that, not, even that, not even that fancy, just kind of like, <laughs> this is like, feels like government style housing with just like a cement courtyard. You remember the show Melrose place? I do. I do. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. That's what I'm visioning. Yeah. Right now, man. It looks like a little hotel vibe almost. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly it. So we just like, yeah. we just parked out in front, painted some stuff. They finished up, they went home and, but something clicked putting paint on canvas. And I was like, Oh, okay. Like it felt significant. I was like, okay, like I want to do more of this. So I went back the next day, got more paint, got more canvases and just kept going. And I just kind of did it myself for a year or two. And then really found myself going deep down kind of the, the rabbit hole. What um, was your style? It was abstract stuff at first. Um, ended up doing a show, a uh, group show, did a solo show. Um, and then Twitter showed up. Right uh, Twitter came on my radar in 2012. Um, and then, you know, I'd been painting for four years at that point. Right. And then Twitter showed up and I put something on it and I was like, uh, okay, cool. Cause I'm doing oil paintings. I love very like thick, heavily textured oil, which takes yeah two, three months to finish one usually. Cause it's usually like kind of a week to two weeks for a layer to dry. Sure. Um, so I put something on there and I was like, okay, cool. Like, I'll be done another painting in like three months. <laughs> and I realized, huh, Googling a little bit, right? Like you need content when you are online. Right. I'm like, all right, cool. Like three months from now, I'll have more content. <laughs> I have to figure this, I have to figure this out. Like this is, right. this isn't the right production flow for being online. Um, so, to, and I always really like doing stuff digitally. Um, you know, like I told you, like I was kind of like manipulating things on my computer um so it kind of started down that rabbit hole i'd start figure out how i could manipulate these images and i kind of found glitch that way um kind of old but in 2012 glitch was different there were there weren't applications photoshop all these other things that people i think use now just weren't really available or functional in that space 
I wrote so a thread on is. I wrote a thread on glitch a few months ago and I did a little research on it, man. Like this glitch art stuff goes way back, man, which yeah. was kind of a surprise to me. Yeah, then yeah. there's two, there's two, there's two main types, right? You've got mechanical, which is people bending rays and using magnets, and then there's the digital stuff. And the original digital stuff, one of the best ways to do it, which I think is interesting, is you would take an image file. You'd shrink it down because it only worked with a small image. So you'd shrink the resolution down to maybe 400 by 600 mm-hmm. um, versus, you know, if you, if you image file now, you're probably working 10 times that, right? Probably right. 6,000 by 3,000 is the more standard image size. So 600 by 400. And then you open it up in WordPad. In WordPad, it opens up and it's just this jumble of symbols. It's not even text. Okay. And you go in there, you're like, delete maybe like a line of characters, save it, open up the image. And every once in a while, it would just have like a warp band across the image. Like something would glitch in a really unique way that still you can only do with WordPad. Man, that's really And then I would, so I would do that. And I'd I'd go through my, go through the images of the paintings I was making. I'd stacked maybe 20 of these, glitches that I'd made and then turn into animated GIF. And I was like, okay, cool. Like that's the digital version of the physical piece. And it felt right for the space because the minute I posted a physical piece online, it felt like this physical thing was going to digital and it was too clean. It was too clear. It didn't feel, it didn't feel native digitally. It didn't feel like there's something off about it for me that just didn't feel right. Right. So, but posting the digital piece, it felt right for the space. It felt like, you know, it felt like this is more ones and zeros. That makes sense here. Like, let's do that. And something clicked. <laughs> something clicked. I really like doing the digital stuff. And really quickly, everyone else started liking the digital stuff more. And I got myself into a bit of a box because there's nothing to do with digital art. Right. Back then, right? There was, what are you going to do? You just posted. Anybody kind of like cool, right? Like and like even like even on the highest end, what galleries would do would basically sell the computer with instructions, and like that was how people would set it up. It was so cumbersome and wonky. Like it was it wasn't a thing. And even even looking at the history of digital art, there isn't any real adoption of it at any point in the contemporary art world. It's always been this very, very small niche, mostly because of the just how how much friction there is in the collection process. So you're probably so, not selling a ton of art and earning a living as an artist. Then how are you earning? How are you supporting yourself? No, yeah, no, no. <laughs> it was I make a little bit from the physical pieces. Uh-huh. I did the digital stuff because I really liked it, gotcha. and it felt like I was making good art. Right. Um, which is a good feeling. So just kind of stuck making digital art. So I did that for, you know, really intensely for the next four and a half years. Wow. Um, just making art to share for, with no real, there's no, there's nothing on the horizon. There's just like, it's just like, okay. What was your platform besides Twitter? Was it just Twitter or did you have anything else? That you were- uh, so early on it was Tumblr. Uh, which is fun to see some of the familiar faces from Tumblr in the Web3 space now. Sure. Yeah. You know, which is cool because um, I, uh, 
you know, X's here, uh, max capacity, Kit McGrath. So like some of like the original like Tumblr crew is like right. made it all the way over here, which is cool. Um, also funny too, just like there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of digitally native artists that have survived the last decade and have made it to the space. Um, I, it's funny, like I just reconnected with Pac uh, a couple yeah. months ago. Yeah, and I mean, uh, Pac's, like, Pac's like you know really done well, huh? Yeah, he's done well. <laughs> but the but the funny thing is, we finally reconnected, and then uh, could see that we'd sent like see DMs from a decade ago. That's crazy. You should, you know. So it's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so it's just it's really cool to see all these artists who just were doing literally art for art's sake with the no, the, no, there's not even an exit plan at that point. Just when did, when did NFTs come on your radar screen? Were you, a, and before I even ask you that, were, did you have any exposure to crypto prior to NFTs? Uh, I was, a, I was aware of crypto. Um, and that, I just never, I never, never got around to getting into it. Right um, yeah. Yeah, I get it. Uh, I, I there was it. people. Oh, no, I, I had a friend telling me about ETH pitching hard before it was even launched. Wow. I was like, cool. Good stuff. Good luck with that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Nobody ever thought um, ETH was going to go to $5,000. No, no, no. They <laughs> definitely, definitely did not. Uh, it was people. It was your, uh, it was your, it was your neighbor um, who, uh, yeah. who got me into it. Um, you know, that was the thing. It was, it wasn't that he sold it for as much as he did. It was literally that he sold digital art. And I was like, wait, how does that work? Yeah. Uh, and then uh, as soon as I read that article, um, I jumped in fully, um, back in March of uh, 2021. So you want to hear something crazy? Uh, yeah. Same. My story is your same as yours, man. I'm not an artist, but I, yeah. I read that article and I was like, what in the hell is this? And then I'm now, you know, then I was like, just, I was into NFTs, like hardcore from that day forward. <laughs> oh, amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Literally just, people. Yeah. 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 Same thing, man. Yeah. It's crazy. Uh, that I, that I impact that people that. had on a people on a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's pretty wild. Secret. <laughs> what was I'm, the first I'm thankful to him for that? Well, so 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 NFTs come onto your radar. What what do you like? What do you do? Well, like what's the first thing you do with that information? Did you just start like teaching yourself what all that was about how did you start minting art how did you get into yeah um well i started obviously like i just was like okay how does this work let's figure this out so i started teaching myself what it was about yeah you know got some eth got some wallet you know like set it all up did you have help Um, did anybody help you or did you teach yourself no i self-taught got it yeah i'm trying not to get scammed i'm like hey twitter I'm trying to set up my MetaMask wallet. <laughs> <laughs> Just give me your seed phrase. Yeah, That's all you do. Just send it to this address. We'll send it up for you. Um, You'd think that we'd be almost past all that scammy stuff, man. But then, you know, you hear stuff that happens like, you know, like that Kevin Rose just lost like $2 million 
worth of NFTs out of his wallet, you know, and he's like, he's yeah. like somebody that's got a lot of experience here. You know, it's kind of right. Crazy that people are still getting hacked we, and scammed and, you know, that people are losing like that. It's, it's wild. It's, it's a, it's, it's a, it's good to be a student of history. Yeah. I think what we learned is you don't want to FOMO mint six, five, two, nine memes from your vault wallet. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> What's your Genesis piece, man? What's the first thing you minted? Where it, where does it exist? Who has that token? Yeah. Um, so let's that. see. So I got into the space and then my Genesis piece um, was actually one of my old, uh, one of my old glitches. So I did, um, I was talking with Jerry Saltz back in 2016 about the direction of my art. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were talking about abstract art and he's basically, you know, start over. You know, he thought abstract was dead and he needed to figure out something else. Um, so I made a piece about that just to like make a joke and needle him. Uh, so I minted, I minted that um, and then I did a giveaway. On Twitter, I was new, new to the space. I had a big following from the previous world, right. but all new in NFTs, right? Like they sure. just did not translate. Like these people did not care about this and vice versa. So got it. Um, starting over, so I did a giveaway. Uh, I'd like to think I hosted like one of the first honest giveaways on Twitter and I gave it away to some random person in Asia. Wow. Who happened to just, you know, be the lucky <laughs> one who did it. Yeah. So please don't list it. He immediately lists it. Um, and I was like, ah, all right, well, live and learn. So then Tez and Hen came along at that point. And I knew I didn't really want to mint anything until I was on Super Rare because I really wanted to be on Super Rare. Yeah. Um, so I was like, okay, how do we get on Super Rare? And, you know, I've spent the majority of my time just getting to other artists. Um, I was impressed about minting anything, really. Gotcha. Uh, I just really wanted to become part of the community, get to know everybody and figure out like what was going on. And so much about what was going on wasn't just the technical, like how do you mint, but what, what are people talking about? What do people care about? I mean, the space was so different from anything else that I'd been in before. Yeah. And a lot of the themes and a lot of the philosophies um, resonated strongly with me. And I just wanted to get to know what we were actually doing here. It's interesting that you took took such a careful approach to it, you know, like not everyone did. A lot of people just kind of bum rushed into the, yeah, just started minting all kinds of, you know, random goofy stuff. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Well, you know, I I knew enough that, you know, the, the chain's immutable and right. You know, like people will see what you chose to do. That resonated with you that it, this when you put something on the blockchain, like this is going to be there forever. Exactly. So I don't want to put out. I don't want to put out anything that I wasn't proud of. Um, so I played around with Ted's because I liked. It felt like the indie artist community, and while I was kind of figuring everything out, I was like, okay, cool. It seems like a good place to do it. Yeah. Um, so I minted. I minted a few of my old works. I didn't. I didn't do anything new. I minted a few of my old works, and we just kind of randomly drop them and not tell anybody. So kind of whoever found them, got them. Right on. Which I thought was fun. Nice. <laughs> um, and then, uh, yeah, full circle, you know, come end of June of that year, uh, I'd met enough people 
um, that I was able to get invited to Super Rare. Nice. Um, what was your first so, Super Rare piece? I should know this actually. Uh, it was a glitched painting. So I'd uh, everything I'd done up until that point in my digital art career was a glitched version of a physical painting. Right. Um, from from an art side. So I, I did a I did a glitched painting, and then <clears> uh, sent the physical painting and. Uh, to the collector as well. Yeah, that's really cool. I just looked at it. It's, then, your your floors I, have held up impressively well. Thank you. And then I bought a. Then I bought my. Uh, bought that random piece I gave away back. <laughs> oh, nice! <laughs> <laughs> and burned it. Oh, you burned it. I burned it. Wow. Uh, <laughs> Bold. So my Genesis piece is yeah. My Genesis piece is the uh, is my super art piece now. Nice. Yeah, because I guess that's what you wanted. You wanted your your Genesis to be your super. Yeah. Art. Yeah. Cool, man. How do you connect with collectors now? Like, you know, how, how's that process been for you? Like, you know, obviously you've got some pretty diamond hand collectors to have the floors that you have. How do you, how do you manage those relationships? Well, it's like, um, I feel like it's just, it's like any other relationship. I mean, you have to take your time with this. And if you're ever in a dynamic where, one person could very easily perceive that the other person wants something from you. I feel like you have to acknowledge that and just be really tactful and cool about how you handle that relationship. A lot of people feel like rush into it. Mm-hmm. I've never sent a single person a shill via DMs. I don't put prices on my work. Gotcha. I don't, I don't like, I don't want to, I don't ever want to do anything that's going to, come across salesy. If people want the art, they'll figure out where the art is. I've seen you write a little bit about this on Twitter. Like you have some thoughts about like, you know, people overdoing it with editions and open editions and, you know, even limited editions. What's your thoughts on like that, all of that? I think, uh, I made a, I made a post. Like, I think you, you, you catch what you bait for. Mm-hmm. Right. So, I mean, if you're a lot of people, I feel like are inclined to advertise and promote returns or financial incentives or kind of those elements around their work. Hey, look, look how much my floor is now. Hey, look how much, look how much it's minting for, look how much you could make. And which is Fine. There's nothing, I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with that. But I think what happens is that you get a bunch of people that are interested in that, mm. which is, the, again, nothing wrong with it. But sure. you end up with a, you end up with a, a, your collector base will determine the course of your career in a very material way. And if you have a bunch of people that have collected your art because they love your art, they will support you in a completely different way than if you have people that have collected your art because they think you're a good investment down the road. Again, like I'm not saying there's, there's no judgment on either side of it. It's just, you get different levels of support from the different communities in different ways. Community one will help you move your art career forward. You know, community two will help you kind of drive your prices, which can move your career forward, but it's a different, it's, it's just, you, you end up, with a different group of people behind you. So I feel like you just have to align 
it helps being aligned. So if people are supporting you, you just need people that are behind you and your vision. For me, that's that's art. For other people, maybe like people that love mechanics. You know, for other people, maybe like it is it can be a really fun financial game to play. So maybe that that's the general direction you want your people to be behind, and that's what you're going to focus on. I feel like just as long as you find people that are in alignment with what your objectives are, there's room for all of those people in the NFT community, man. Yeah, of course, hundred percent. There's people here just for the, the thrill of flipping. PFPs, you know, the, I mean, cool. I love it. That, yeah. You know, like, and it should be, like, yeah. I just love that. No one's, no one's, no one's getting in the way. No one's regulating this yet. No one's telling us what we can and can't do. No, like, I just like that we can evolve this ecosystem <clears throat> without any heavy hand coming down and trying to guide which direction we go. Just like, yeah. Decentralized. <laughs> yeah. Let us all like bump around and see what comes out of this. Like, so. Are you earning a living as an artist or do you, are you a full-time artist or are you? Yeah. Know? I've been a full-time artist uh, for the past year. Nice. Congrats. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. That's gotta be really like, you know, that's gotta be huge for you as an artist. To... <laughs> <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I think that's like the goal of all artists, right? You know? Yeah, well, I can't, I can't. I, I mean, I feel, make, a, make, make a living as an artist. I, I feel really, I feel really grateful. Um, you know, cause I've, I've, I've had my side gig for years trying to make this work Yeah, and it's finally possible now. Wonderful, man. And, uh, yeah, being able to just, I don't do commissions. I don't do any corporate work. I just make art I want to make and it is miraculously all working out. So <laughs> some so, of your uh, stuff is just mind blowing to me, man. Uh, you just put out a piece recently, man. And I, I was going to ask you a little bit about, it's called pop culture. Yeah. Dude, I, I got to tell you, man, like when I saw that, I was like, I mean, that like that piece like makes me feel something, you know, like that. I, I feel like that work should be in like a museum somewhere, you know, honestly. I appreciate yep. you. And I'm not just um, trying to blow you up here, man, but I, I, I mean, I really mean that. Like it's, it's that good. <laughs> that, that means that, that means a lot to me. I mean, it's been, it's been a long time making art and yeah. I feel like pieces are finally starting to uh i feel like it's finally starting to kind of click for me yeah um, and it's a it's a really good feeling i feel like i'm able to i feel like i'm more able to hit the narrative that i want to hit right where does um, something so, like yeah, that start for you proud of it. like how do you come up with that like where does that come from inside you know like how do you create like walk me through like where does something like that start and how do you end up you know, finishing it and delivering it to the consumer, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, uh, I think, I think aesthetics are interesting. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think aesthetics are essentially your voice. Uh, but I think what kind of makes or breaks it for me is what story are you telling? Mm -hmm. And I think, I think the interesting stories are, are critical. I think the interesting stories are grounded in reality. I think they are having some relevance to kind of what we're all talking about. And I just think the more, if you, it's kind of goals too, right? Like they don't always hit, but I feel like sure. as an artist, just trying to, trying to hit a couple really interesting narratives over the course of your career. Yeah. And then the style really just is the voice that it tell, that, that is told through. Um, 
so for pop culture, it just, it just felt like it, it just felt like it clicked for me. Yeah. And, I mean, uh, culture is so relevant to the that. conversation in NFTs. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's all trading around culture. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And time, time to well for the balloon thing too, right? I, you know. Yeah. And it was so good. You like nailed it. I mean, like the time yeah, that yeah. was just like. <laughs> <laughs> freaking Russian yeah. balloons flying over the United yeah. States and you're, yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> Thanks. Congratulations on the timing, man. Yeah, thank you. Who collects your work? Who you do you have like a, a base of collectors that that I do, I do. Uh, you know, Bat Soup, Alms, Sarkoshi. Yeah. Anonymous is a big collector, Eli Trader. Uh, and all these guys you're naming are like OG big time collectors in the I, I'm I'm really fortunate. Um and I, I do feel I do feel um a lot of that has been due to just a very intentional focus on the art itself. You know, like fish with art, we find people that like art. So Yeah. I, that's what yeah, that's awesome. I mean you you're you're reaping what you sow, I guess. <laughs> you know, you put yeah, really quality you. stuff out. You're getting really quality collectors. Tools. I like to ask everybody about their tools. What's the tools of your trade? What do you you what do you use to create uh, a piece of digital art? Like, how does? I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, so I, uh, I I do I do what I'm calling mixed digital. Uh huh. Um, so. The majority of my work has a physical component. Oh, um, so it'll be uh, usually four, four to five feet, medium scale work on canvas or on wood. Okay, it'll be something that I paint. Okay, um, so I'll paint something, and then I will uh, also uh, I do a lot of photography. So um, I like photographing graffiti. Um, I like street art, but street art is somebody else's art. Like graffiti, on the other hand, is just layers of tags on top of tags that haven't been cleaned off a wall in years. Like that's the most interesting thing to me. And it's usually hidden around a corner somewhere on a dumpster, just places that people don't clean, power blast or paint over. Uh, so what yeah, do you I'll, use? I, what kind of camera do you shoot with? What's your preferred camera? Uh, I have um, I, use, I have a, a 16 millimeter one four um, Fuji uh, XT30. Um, it's just a I'm really a Fuji it's a guy light. too. I use a Fuji. Oh, amazing! <laughs> I'm a Fuji guys, I love it. I love it. <laughs> XT4 for me, yeah. Oh, amazing! Okay, yeah, cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. So just like a wander around uh, downtown LA um, with hiking boots. That's the key, by the way. <laughs> why, why, why the hiking boots? Because <laughs> uh, I'm like on the tra- railroad tracks, like I'm in the middle of nowhere. Right on. <laughs> and there's just a lot of glass and a lot of needles. Oh, yeah. I'll take, I'll take photos <laughs> of needles, just, you know. Um, but, you know, the getting like a good hiking boot with a steel tread. Yeah. Keeps those needles from going in my foot. So that's sure you don't want they go they they go right through trainers. Yeah, man. So. That whole like downtown LA area, even like the Skid Row area down there. I've been, you know, I've been to LA a few times with yeah. my camera. And I I'm a, just like you, man. When I go to a city, I'm like I'm, I'm taking pictures of like the grimy stuff. 
you know, that's yeah. what, what I, okay. like. I, I love like it. That. I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah. That's what I like too. I like, I like, I like, I like photographs of DK. I like these. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you, you get into infrastructure of these bridges cause they have these really old bridges that yeah. were built a hundred years ago going across the LA river. Yeah. And there's a whole city within these bridges that just, you never know unless you're just wandering around and climbing over. Where's your photography collection, Patrick? Come on, man. I haven't seen all your photography. You're like, I should share more. I should you share You really more. should, man. You should yeah. put that out in the world, man. I mean, I bet yeah. your fans would appreciate seeing some of that. All right, Chris, I'm going to, I'm going to take you up on this. Yeah, man. Almost, I'll start with some more photos. <laughs> yeah. So you got a physical component. Yeah, so it's a physical component, photography, photography and then uh, I tie it all together with uh, with the glitch. What do you use? Do you use an iPad or a computer, a Mac, PC? What's what's your preferred weapon of choice? I'm a Windows guy now. Windows. Um, yeah, so Windows, a lot of Photoshop, some online tools. You use Photoshop. Still, for- still use WordPad. Yeah, Photoshop is Photoshop's my favorite for assembling GIFs. Yeah, and and a lot of your work is GIFs. All of it. All of it. <laughs> yeah. So I like I like being I like I like being unconstrained mostly. But um, I've always done gifs, and uh, I like that it's the oldest computer graphics format. And also, there's only 256 colors, <laughs> so it ends up it ends up being there's a lot of constraints around it. Right on which I think is interesting for me creatively trying to figure out how to turn detailed pieces into GIFs. Right. GIFs were, they're very clean if you're just doing a two color low res or simple shape. Yeah. But once you start getting photographs and you start getting stuff that requires a lot more detail, like making those into GIFs that are interesting, I think is, it's been a challenge I've been playing with for the last decades. So and then you got the loop, you know, so you got to have like a, uh-huh. like a, do you have to play around with it and make sure the loop's good? You know? Oh, definitely. Definitely. Do you know who Gavin Shapiro is? I do. Gavin's I do. really like, you know, he's really like, he's really like detailed about like the loop, you know? Like yeah. All this stuff. Yeah. It's, it's really cool. I yeah. like Gavin's work. Yeah. yeah. He's been a guest on here before. I, oh, cool. Yeah, cool. I, I like talking to you guys who do that kind of art. I, it's, it, it, it appeals to me a lot. Well, I like that you I like that you like uh, photographing some of the, the grimier spots. Oh, too. yeah, man. That's, <laughs> that's, that's all I really like taking pictures of, to be honest with you, man. <laughs> me too. <laughs> I'd much rather take a photo of like some old pill bottles like yeah. next to a trash can than a mountain. <laughs> Nothing wrong with the mountain. I'm just like, I'm just this interests me. I just came home from Vietnam. I was in Vietnam for two weeks, man. You want to get really like some grimy pictures, man. Vietnam was, was, was. Oh, it's beautiful. Place. Yeah. Okay. Amazing. <laughs> you use social media now. So you're mainly on Twitter. You, you I'm only media? on Twitter. Only on Twitter. Yeah. No, no Instagram. That's a philosophical thing for a long time. Is there a reason why? Know. Is there a reason why you would share? You're not on Instagram. Yeah, I just uh, I never I never liked Facebook, the parent company. I gotcha. Okay. Uh, I just yeah. thought, I thought they were I thought they were contributing to an unhealthy discourse, a lot of unhealthy things. So I just didn't want my work to be on there. And they're Fair also enough. very an, they're also very anti artist in a lot of ways. You know, the fact that artists would the fact that artists felt they had to be on Instagram, yeah, to be seen by the art world. 
Right. And then Facebook would then take ownership of all the images that they shared. Right. I thought was just a really shitty power dynamic mm. and it, and just not a cool thing for Facebook to do. I mean, let, let don't, don't have a platform that requ- that requires artists to be on it, to be successful in their careers and then take their work. Uh, yeah, so makes, I didn't like that. Makes a lot of, that makes a lot of sense. And I think a lot of people think the way you do, are you, so are you aware that are you aware that like Instagram's now doing the digital collectible thing thing? Are you aware of that? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's interesting, you know. Like they're starting to like sh- make some kind of shift, you know, to try to onboard all of you artists to come sell your work. And I guess probably Instagram makes money off of it somehow. I'm sure. I've been pretty vocally <laughs> against it. And also, um, you have your opinions. Not- I, you're, you I'm like, I, I, when I read your Twitter, like, you're, you're, like you're, you're a strong, you, when you have an opinion, you're usually like pretty strong. Oh, like, appreciate you. Yeah. I appreciate you. Uh, what the issue I have with it is that everything I just said about Instagram but then they come back to artists and say, hey, guess what? We'll give you some exposure right. and a few dollars if you come help us legitimize our platform. Right. It makes me feel like we're being betrayed by the artists that are doing that mm. Mm. for a few dollars and some, quote, exposure. So Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> There's some pretty Sorry. big name like <laughs> NFT artists, you know, that are that are doing I've, that. You know, I have seen, I have seen. <laughs> my my opinion stands. <laughs> I don't have I don't have an opinion one way or another, man. I just kind of like I'm an observer. I like just seeing where things are going to go. You know, it's also yeah. it's all so new, and it's also you know, like this is all uncharted territory for all of us. You know, nobody really knows. You know what's going on, but. That's good, but but you're, you're hosting too, right? You you bring on guests with opinions, and then, and then we yeah, that's exactly right, and that's why I want to yeah. hear I want to hear what your opinions are. You know, your opinion matters to me as much as somebody who has got the opposite opinion. I I want to yeah. hear all sides of it. You know, and that's one thing too. I feel like has been has been lost. Um, we don't debate healthily in so many ways. I mean. You know, one of my best friends in the space is uh, is Guido Desal. Yeah, like Guido, I got to keep uh, good. Help, help me get him on here. He's got he's got opinions. <laughs> he's got opinions, and the way we and uh, he's he's become a dear friend. And uh, it's funny the way we met is I posted something, uh-huh. and he responds with like, "That's a bunch of shit." I've never seen that in my life. <laughs> and then we like Start argued about it. And we're like, and we're like, okay, cool. Like this guy's cool. This guy's cool. And now yeah, we're like yeah. really good friends. But I feel like that's like a lost art. I mean, like, a, you know, in Thursday and Thursday we do this panel. Um, but panels are usually really boring. Like nobody actually wants to go see everyone agree on a panel and tell you things. Right. So, it's good we to argue get some about varied opinions on a panel. If yeah. you have a panel, yeah. you have a guy that thinks this way and a guy that thinks the opposite way. So every Thursday, we literally just go argue yeah. about everything. And sometimes you gotta like you gotta you gotta take the contrary just to you know, just to keep it argumentative, but in like a healthy way. You don't have to fight, yeah. you just argue, share contrasting opinions and you know, make it interesting, you know. I didn't know who that Guido was until he dropped that Sicilian kiss. 
uh, NFT. Yeah. There's like a million of them got minted or something. I don't even know, man. Oh yeah. yeah. And I got, I, I got a bunch of them and actually it was funny. You know, it's one of, that's the first NFT that I ever collected like multiples of that I yeah. used to send to like people that didn't have NFTs. Like here's your first NFT. I gave oh, a bunch of those to people. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> I gave my yeah, kids I, one. Like, I was like, this is an oh, NFT. Good. Like, here's, a, here's an NFT. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Really cool that you mentioned him. That's how we should be onboarding people. Like, that's like, that's yeah. a really good thing to do. So, no, I love it. I love that you, I love that you're familiar with his work. And he's, he's, he's fantastic. So. Who do you collect, man? Who are you? Are you, are you an art collector? Uh, I have. I've collected hundreds of artists at this point. Yeah. Is there anybody um, that you're watching or FOMOing over right now or anybody that you're that like comes up on the top of your list that you'd like to collect? Um, wow. Uh, I've collected probably 50 artists in the last two months. Um, <laughs> nice. I, 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 Not mean, I just, on the spot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let me, let me think of, let me think about that one. Right on. Um, but I've been collecting. I mean, I collected a, I collected a, some music NFTs recently. Yeah, really. As well. Which yeah. Is, what do you, What do you think is. about that? I had a I had a um, musician Christina Spine on here. Okay. Um, she's a she's putting out music NFTs. She's a like classical symphony writer. You know, she's oh, fantastic. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, she's really. Awesome. Um, I feel like they're brothers in arms. I mean, they're coming from, I mean, yeah. we're coming from an art, we're coming from a heavily gate kept controlled contemporary art world that, right. you know, basically gates the ability to make a living to a handful of people that got their MFA at Yale. Um, yeah. Good luck if you don't have that privilege, really. <laughs> no doubt. Um, <laughs> And now, now look at it, right? We've got, you know, you got like Osanachi in Nigeria. He's created an entire school to help his community learn how to make art and make a living in NFTs. You know, did a project with um, uh, two tribes in the Amazon. Um, yeah, wow. We've helped, we've helped them build out a whole infrastructure uh, and a whole space around there. And they've become dear friends. Um, so there's like a... We've done some really interesting things in the space to get around this. And I feel like you look at music and what are they getting? A fraction of a penny, a fraction of a fraction of a penny for Spotify streams. I mean, musicians are more plugged into an extractive system than sure. any other any other creative. So you talk about what Web3 can do and about people being able to take back sovereignty, people being able to take back control and empower themselves to like make a living just making their art without all of these layers of middlemen just destroying them. It's a new frontier. Uh, yeah, it makes me it makes me really want to root for musicians because I know where they're coming from. Yeah. Uh, and it's honestly, it's, it's, a, it's a worse situation than even art. Um, so yeah. I like what they're doing. I like the people that are, are making making the effort to figure this space out so like uh you know ray isla is a uh, one that i really like i collect her work i just picked up uh mariana mcquire's uh latest drop i saw you um, post that and we're in a um we're in a common group chat and that yeah group. yeah <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> what do you think so, about that, think it, that whole thing man that lasco thing <laughs> i think uh i think 
kudos for creating an interesting narrative you know I yeah think especially when that came out too it was a pretty dark time for nfts you know it's one of these kind of existential like which way we're we going to go here right and i always kind of feel like the two ways are sure. you know i think uh, tina rivers ryan who wrote the malign beanie babies i'm, and, I'm familiar know, with her i've been trying to get her on here are, are this you say like a digital collectible is going to turn into beanie babies <laughs> and the other side is like our digital collectible is just going to be a regular normal part of our lives yeah. Right. Yeah. So I feel like we kind of fight both directions all the time. So I sure. feel like when he, when his stuff came out in December, it was like, Oh, this is, this is interesting. And I jumped on him for pretending to be Banksy. And then <laughs> we got, in, we got into it. Opinions. We got opinions. So you, you got opinions, share opinions. I kind of thought you were Lasco for a while, to be honest with you. I'm not going to lie. I had, I had, like, and I was, <laughs> you were a suspect. <laughs> oh, so I have people like coming up to me in real life being like, so tell me like, just between us, are we, are you, the truth? <laughs> are you, no, Patrick? <laughs> and literally like the funny thing about it though, is literally no matter what I did, it's somehow reinforced that I might be. That's right. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, no, I'm not. They're like, Oh, then you might be. I'm like, Did you must be. How, well, I couldn't think of like, I couldn't even think of what to say <laughs> that would somehow not come back to be like, Oh, you are. <laughs> Uh, well, so, if you are, good, you are that, I don't know. We had, a, <laughs> we had a, we had a good, we had a good banter, you know, it's, it's fun having, it's fun going back and forth, you know, it cracked me up when he like sent me to the guillotine, you know, like it was, <laughs> but you got a sense of humor. So I appreciate that. Yeah. For what it's worth, it kept me entertained all through Christmas. I think, yeah. I appreciate that Christmas, man. It was, it yeah. was exciting. Yeah. That was fun. Yeah. I, I appreciate that tremendously. So I think, <laughs> I think that was. What do you think about this royalties thing, man? Where do you stand on that? I mean, every artist I ever talked to is like, well, I'm all for royalties. So I'm sure you probably are too. But what do you think yeah. like, was happening with this, you know, with the way things are kind of going backwards almost now? Yeah. Um, I just think in general, we conflate a lot of things with space. Yeah. Um, and no, I, I think collectibles are collectibles. Right. Right. And there can be some career because I know a lot of artists will create these larger editions that are essentially collectibles. Right. Yeah. So I get that. But the collectibles are collectibles. Art is art. I just think they're different things entirely. And I think that um, I think it's what, you're, what you're saying, just to clarify, you're, what, what you mean between collect what collectibles are and what art is. There's two different. They're just they're, I just think they're different. Different systems apply. It is. It is what it is. There's not one is not better. It's just like they're just different things, different systems, different different objectives, different everything. Yeah. Um, which is fine. I mean, I do both. Like, you know, I've, sure. I've, but um I so I think that I just don't think you're ever gonna be able to come up with a smart contract that can lock in a royalty in a real way. I hate blocking marketplaces. I hate limiting what we can do. Right. I hate any idea of like being able to like change something or pull it back if some term isn't met. I mean, I really care about true ownership of mm. these assets. Mm. In anything, in any way you can affect somebody's ownership, you are like, taking some element of ownership away from them. I mean, do you if do any editions at all? Are you into editions? Do you have edition? 
Um, so I'll do editions of 25. I've started doing that a little more recently because yeah. I want to, you know, I, I do, I don't want to be totally inaccessible to basically everybody here. Yeah. And, you know, like a lot of friends just can't afford the one-on-one stuff and it's cool. Like, and I, so I want people to be able to have, be able to like access work on some level. So I've been doing editions of 25. I did a one-off thing with Sartoshi. Okay. Uh, for 300. Right on. Um, that won't happen again. That was, that was a one-time thing. Sartoshi was um, an early supporter of mine. Nice. Um, he, uh, he bid against Batsuit for my Genesis on Super Rare. Wow. He bought my second piece. Nice. And this was before he became Sartoshi. Oh, wow. Um, so I've always, I've always, I've always really appreciated that. I've always really respected what he's done. So when he asked me, you know, Hey, would you like to be a part of this? Of course I said, yes. Yeah. Right. You know, right. Like, yeah. You, 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 I feel like you have to, you have to appreciate people that help you and you have to support people now that you, support you. Now so. you mentioned that you don't set prices. You just strictly do auction for your work. You just set an auction reserve. I mean, so for my additions, I was doing a, a third of an ETH. Yeah. But I just think it's a, still undecided but i think it's a it's a little bit of a tricky balance like i'm always curious like how do you value you know like how does an artist put a value on what their their artwork is worth you know like it's an interesting conversation i think uh i think it's a little tricky right i don't think i don't think your next work i don't think your next work is the same value as the previous work i think it's more It'll be roughly the same value as what sold before, but is your new work better or is it worse? Okay. I mean, there's a whole there's a whole range of artists' work. Fair I mean, enough. you look at look at any artist and like they produce good work, they produce bad work for them. Like there's sure. a there's a range of what comes out. So sure. I feel like you have to respect the range of the output. If it's your best work, sure, it should be more. If it's mid work for you, like it should be, you know, priced kind of in that range for you. I think. I think just some like self-reflection on that is helpful. Sure. Um, but I, gen- I generally think addition should be roughly whatever fractionalized value of your one-on-one is. I got you. And your one-of-one should roughly be kind of what your addition piece would add to. So That, that makes good sense. Now, do you, general, do you have any help? Do you work with anybody? Do you have a team of people or any like – there's there anybody that helps you? do this stuff or you do it all yourself? Uh, so I've had, it's funny having conversations with people about this. Um, I do this, I do this myself. I'm, I'm picking up an art assistant to help execute some of the, the grunt stuff. Yeah. Um, I have a, I have a couple of big projects coming out um, in a few months and I just need someone to just do it. Just a ton of like grunt labor on it. Any alpha leaks so, you want to drop here? uh sure um i'm gonna be working with uh transient labs on something nice and then i'm doing another project uh it'll be with our world right on um so i'm excited about those two things but uh no i don't i don't know how you can i don't know how you can outsource your social media you know i feel like yeah like the whole point is that we're here we're connecting with each other like you can, my DMs are open. You can DM me. Like if you ask me a question, I will respond to you. Like, I feel like that's, 
that's what we like need. That's what's different about the space is that everyone is here and accessible. If, if I had somebody else running my Twitter account, I'm sure they could do a very good job, yeah. even part-time. But you wouldn't be like, you wouldn't be engaging with me necessarily. You would be, I don't know. It, it wouldn't feel, it wouldn't feel authentic to me. So I'm going to write that out as far as I possibly can. I've had that experience. Um, and Hey, I would like to say, yeah, I appreciate artists like yourself that are accessible through DM. You know, I have, you won't believe how many DMs I send out to get people to come on the show. And I get like nothing, <laughs> you know, Oh wow! For every hundred people I talk, try to reach out to, ah. I get one or two that respond. I, <laughs> you know, I don't, it is. I don't like it. I don't like it. I feel like I've got, I've got, I have a bunch of followers. It takes me like sometimes a day or two to get through yeah. all my DMs because yeah. Especially if I say DM me on an edition. Yeah. I was that was a learning experience. But <laughs> oops. <laughs> um, I'm sure it's a lot to go through all your DMs and the, you know, hidden messages and all that stuff. Like make sure you're not missing people. You know, I do I go yeah. through all mine, you know, and I don't have that many followers, but I mean, yeah. you know, I try to respond to everybody that's real. I think, real that I, think ex- I think accessibility. Yeah, exactly. I think accessibility <laughs> is really important. Um, I, I, I don't really, I don't really care for like, I think the anonymous, like you can't access me mysterious thing. Like we've, we've done that already. That's like, that's a, that's an old track. We've played that. I, and, I agree with you, man. That was kind of cool. Like two years ago for a little bit. It's kind of, yeah, it's not yeah, cool yeah. anymore. <laughs> I like, I like Banksy, but Banksy has been making art for a long time. Like right. Banksy is, I look at Banksy. I'm like this, like he's probably the biggest artistic inspiration for me. Yeah. Uh, Cause yeah. I like, I like what he does with the narratives in his pieces, right? He's always needling. He's always, he always has something to say when he does his work. And I appreciate that because it's usually sociopolitical, which I think is cool. That being said, like, and you're a little sociopolitical, I think. I feel like <laughs> I like it. No, I, I, I want my work to be important. I want my work to mean something. And I yeah. want to say something that's like material. I don't want to just spout off stuff that doesn't matter. What do you think the biggest thing is that you're trying to say? Does that I think it depends. It just changes. It changes on yeah. the different pieces. Um, if you had to put a theme on it all. <laughs> uh, I would just say most of it is critique around a lot of the absurd things that we all see. And I feel like often ignore or just kind of embrace as part of the fabric. Yeah. So, you know, it's like, uh, even like debating in these panels and stuff, it's always, yeah. I always get the most satisfaction just saying something that we like all know is true. And it sounds vaguely offensive or startling when someone just says it out loud. <laughs> I love you know, that. Like, I love that, dude. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's, that's the kind of art that talks to me anyway, you know, like that's the, yeah. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah. You would like uh, the guy who was on my show last week. His name's David Henry Nobody Jr. Oh, I do. <laughs> you know I, him, do. I, him. I do. I know him. I do. I know him. He's he's, he's fantastic. Like the same kind of thing, man. It's just about yeah. the absurdity of you know everything. <laughs> yeah. 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 And his performance art plays on that. Oh, he's fantastic. I yeah. I, I was introduced to him through Noah Becker from White Hot Magazine. 
uh, a little over a year ago and just uh, been a big fan of his. Yeah. Since. Yeah. I feel really lucky that I get the opportunity to talk to all you guys, man. It's uh it's, it's very enlightening. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know. I appreciate I really, I really appreciate you. It's always, it's always, it's always, it's always nice to chat with people that have obviously put in time to like thinking about the stuff, understanding the space yeah. and have good questions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A couple more questions and we'll, we'll wrap it up. I wanted to ask you, what do you feel like on this utility of art, you know, in the NFT world, like, you know, my art now comes with like, an unlock of this or access to that or you know the utility of nfts and art do you have any thoughts on that um i think if people come up with interesting things sure i think that the majority of the quote utility feels like sales sweeteners you'd see on qvc (laughs) right right if you have something real material, like something interesting that helps like drive the narrative of the piece forward, cool, right? But if you feel like your art isn't strong enough to sell on its own, maybe instead of like figuring out all of these additional quote utilities, like maybe just spend a little more time on like the art itself and building out the community. I don't you're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> You are not wrong, sir. <laughs> yeah. uh, Patrick, thank you so much. Is there anything that um, that you would like to say about yourself, your art, or your vision of the future for this space that I haven't asked you about? Uh, you know, I'm. I'm. First of all, I really, I really appreciate my time with you, and it's been it's been great getting to know you. Yeah. Um, no, I just think I think we've turned a corner. Um, I think we've turned a corner. I think. I think we survived what I think was the most challenging period of all of this so far. Yeah. And I think that digital art is more legitimate in the eyes of many people right now uh, than it's really ever been before. So I made a tweet about it, I think yesterday, and just, I feel like we have a really unique opportunity right now to make art and build your relationships, build your community, get known kind of in this window yeah. right now before, before, you know, digital art just converges with the contemporary world and it just becomes a completely, completely different ecosystem in many, many ways, good and bad. Um, Fair. So I just think uh, people should appreciate what they have in front of them and figure out whatever they can do. If this is something they want, just figure out how to do uh, as much of it as they can right now, whatever sacrifices they need. So I'm excited about it. I think it's sure. going to be, it's, I mean, it's always an interesting few months, right? <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah. it'll be completely different when we chat again in May than it is. Yeah, right it'll now. Be, yeah for sure. It, things but, are changing so fast. When, when Patrick Amidon Christie's, <laughs> when, uh, when <laughs> yeah. it's coming, uh, man, I feel like you're yeah. headed in that direction. If anybody, I'm doing Sotheby's I, the end of, uh, right at the end of this month. Are you? So, yeah. Yeah. It's not announced yet, but well, there we go. <laughs> there we go. That's some good alpha, man. I, yeah. That's really awesome, man. Do you have your piece selected you. and everything? Yeah. Congrats, brother. You deserve it. Thank you. You belong you. there, man. Your art's worthy of being in those those realms, man. I think that that's uh, that's really cool. I just saw Fidenza sold for. 360,000 pounds or something, you know, like London's Christie sale, like a couple days on Tuesday. Yeah. Wow. Right. (laughs) 
what a world and, we're uh, living in, man. You know, just give it give it a year and a half because in the contemporary art world, that is expensive for an NFT and cheap for art. So I think people aren't even ready for what's to come. Um, yeah, but it sold it's along it's it sold alongside of a Picasso and uh, you know like I mean it was yeah <laughs> right <laughs> in the same sale. It's, it's a taste. It's a it's a taste of what's to come. This is why this is why I think everyone who can should really figure out how to be as serious about this right now as they can be. You know, right on. So good luck. Yeah. Good luck to you, sir. Thank you so much for uh, your time. I appreciate it. I know you can. Yeah, I appreciate it. And whenever you're in LA, let me know. You got it, my friend. I'll, we'll keep in yeah. touch. Yeah, I've enjoyed this okay. conversation. I'd like to keep it going. Sounds good. It's a pleasure to meet you. Thank you all for joining me on another great episode of The Ledge with Patrick Amadon. Thank you so much, Patrick. That was a great interview. I really appreciate it. I'm going to drop Patrick's link tree and the show notes below. You can follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore underscore Chris or at ChrisHarper.eth on Instagram. And I'll see you guys all out here next week on The Ledge. The Ledge.